Oi, tudo bem? This is Brazuca Sounds, hosted and produced by Leandro Vignoli. What's up? How's it going, everybody? This is Brazuca Sound number 19, starting now. If you want to send me a message through Instagram, I'm right there as Brazuca Sounds. Every now and then I'm producing a show about Brazilians' record labels, and today is gonna be no different. Gonna talk about Som Livre, the biggest and largest Brazilian record label of all time. Despite the fact earlier this year, in April, they were finally sold to a multinational company, to Sony, for about $400 million. So now, officially, Brazil does not have a big conglomerate on itself. Som Livre, of course, belonged to Global, the largest media in the country, which launched the record label in 1969, mainly to provide a platform for the soundtracks of soap operas. But since then, it has grown to become like the country's largest domestic label. And today was very mainstream, most popular artists from the Brazilian sertanejo, which is the country music and gospel and TV hosts. They will normally release records on Song Livre. Almost every independent Brazilian record label ended up being acquired by Song Livre at some point. But today I'm gonna show you some good, interesting records that a lot of people, they don't know about it. Starting now with probably the one that is the most famous of the bunch. So in the early 70s, the main labels in Brazil, they were all multinationals, Philips, Odeon, CBS, Polydor. So Som Livre from Global, as I said earlier, they were trying to break into that space with a 100% Brazilian label. So they were trying to sign new artists the ones that were still not hired by the big conglomerates. And in 1972, they ended up signing Os Novos Baianos, which became and produced this record, Acabou Chorari, which became one of the best Brazilian records ever produced. In 2007, by the way, the Brazilian version of Rolling Stone magazine elected this record as the best Brazilian record of all time in its list of 100 greatest albums of Brazil. Novos Baianos, they were pretty much a hippie collective at the time. They were from Bahia, as their name indicates, the new Baianos, as opposed to the old Baianos, such as Catano Veloso, Gilberto Gil, Tom Zé. 
So the main lyricist of the group Moraes Moreira, he was 23 years old. Pepeu Gomes, the guitar player, and Baby, uh, the lead singer, they were 19 to 20 years old. So this record was already recorded in Rio de Janeiro, where they were all living as a community, 9, 10, 11 people all in the same house experimenting not only music but also all kind of drugs sexuality a lot of things were going on in Rio during Novas Baiana's uh, recording process of this album uh, Acabou Chorar really blends Brazilian music such as Samba and Chorinho to Jimi Hendrix of sorts the idea was to literally put together electric guitar and percussion instruments sort of a psychedelic bossa nova in some way. João Gilberto was living in Brazil at the time and he was a big mentor for the group, like including the album's name actually, Acabou Chorari is not really the proper Portuguese grammar, but kind of a baby talk really, inspired by João Gilberto and his wife Miusha talks with their baby daughter, Bebel Gilberto, for her to stop crying. So proper grammar will be more like Acabo Choro instead of Acabo Chorari. This is more like a baby or a child will talk. But anyway, this album became so influential in Brazil and actually worldwide that very much affected João Gilberto himself in his own work like his white album is very influenced by this album of Novos Baianos and I showed you right this album in full in the episode 14 of Brazuca Sounds talking about the 50 years of the João Gilberto white album and this stop crying feeling this acabou chorari feeling also meant to be a criticism of Brazilian mainstream music at the time which Novos Baianos considered to be like too sad so the album was to represent joy, happiness, a community environment as the opening of the album really really shows Chegou a hora dessa gente bronzeada mostrar seu valor Eu fui a penha, fui pedir a padroeira para me ajudar Salve o morro do vintém, pendura a saia, eu quero ver Eu quero ver o tio Santo toca bandeiro para o mundo sambar O tio Santo está querendo conhecer a nossa batucada Anda dizendo que o molho da baiana melhorou seu prato Vai entrar no cuscuz, acarajé e abará Na casa branca já dançou a batucada de oiô e aiá Brasil, esquentai vossos pandeiros, iluminai os terreiros, que nós queremos sambar. Há quem sambe diferente noutras terras, outra gente um batuta. So, Acabou Chorari became like a huge success. 
in the country, despite the fact it was like a huge bat from the record label Song Livre and Novos Baianos, they were not huge at the time. What it became not a victory, at least not in terms of record sales, was this uh, second artist that I'm gonna show you here, and her name is Rosinha de Valença. Rosinha de Valença is probably the best Brazilian female guitar player of all time, an information that unfortunately not a lot of people know about it. Her career has more like a cult status than she was enjoying fame during her lifetime. She recorded her first album in 1963 and then she pretty much experienced her uh, success in terms of musician abroad. She lived in the United States for so long. She traveled with Sergio Mendes and his group Brazil 65. She recorded two albums with that group, by the way. And Rosinha de Valença also recorded with many Brazilian different artists. She was performing in Europe as a soloist to, to promote Brazilian popular music in the late 60s and the early 70s until she finally returned to Brazil in 1971. She also put out a record in 71 uh, on the RCA Victor record label, which is a great record. It's available on Spotify. But my favorite record is not available on Spotify and it's almost not available anywhere. It's from 1973. It only has her own name. Rosinha de Valença and the logo of the record label, Song Livre, with its green lettering, Rosinha de Valença holding uh, her acoustic guitar. This is a phenomenal record of Brazilian rhythms of all sorts, all mixed together. There is samba, there is bossa nova, there is a little sense of psychedelia too. This song on the background is by far my favorite. It's called Cuica, which is the name of the percussion friction instrument mostly used in carnival and samba in Brazil. So the entire record has this feeling of some classical music, right? Rosinha was a well-versed guitar player. She was like a classical guitarist mixed together with the popular sounds. I really do enjoy this record. Unfortunately, Rosinha, she suffered a cardiac arrest in 1992 that caused her brain damage and left her in coma. Rosinha spent 12 years in a state of coma, living with her sisters until she finally passed away in 2004. So her story 
you is not one of those happy and successful ones, but this record all around is a great joy. Rosine was a great guitar player, and our next artist here is not only one, but two great guitar players. Sa and Guarabira. They used to be a trio, actually. It used to be Sa, Rodriguez, and Guarabira, but then uh, Zé Rodriguez, he left uh, the formation. They became a duo, and they ended up recording two albums by uh, Song Livre. Uh, one of these albums is on the background. It's my favorite, from 1977. Pirão de Peixe com Pimenta. It's like a name of a typical meal in the Minas Gerais region. Like, Sa and Guarabira were pretty much the pioneers of the rural rock in Brazil in the 70s. Rural rock incorporating influences from uh, folk, country, with more like a poetic language. And of course, many of these songs, they were like referring to the farms, to the live in the countryside. You could even argue this is like more like a folk country version of Os Mutantes, for instance. <laughs> And this kind of music really contributed to a process of re-evaluation in the popular culture in Brazil. Until the late 70s, it was not very cool to be from the farms. It was not very mainstream. Brazil was very urbanized at the point in the mainstream media. And Sai Guarabira Records, in some way, they contributed for the popularization of the countryside, the cowboys and farms. They ended up becoming part of the stories in soap operas and of course music. There's a word in Portuguese which is called caipira. It really reflects the living of rural areas in Brazil. A rough translation will be more like redneck, but not so quite. There's anything political involved. The vocal harmonies of Sai Guarabira, one of the best ever made in the Brazilian music history. Some songs are a little more psychedelic. If Novos Baianos were like the urban Brazil, like we could even argue that Sai Guarabira were definitely the Novos Baiano version of the rural 
Brazil, the record that I really, really like is this one called Pirão de Peixe com Pimenta. Moça marinheira, quem é teu amor? Nos cabelos belos, bibelos, nos cabelos bibelos, e um sinamô, si, si, sinamô, e um sinamô. talking about a very obscure artist from Brazil, Sidney Miller. He was from Rio de Janeiro. He was like pretty much performing in the Rio de Janeiro circles of bars and the Bossa Nova movement. His two first records are really more connected with Bossa Nova a very recognized songwriter like many artists such as Nara Leão, Caetano Veloso, Gal Costa, the group MPB4, they were all recording music composed by Sidney Miller, but he never actually achieved his uh, fame as a solo artist. He ended up staying a long time without recording any album. And it was only after almost six years he came back and put out his third record, which is the one in the background here, by Song Livre, the record Linguas de Fogo, Tongues of Fire. Segura como um homem de brinquedo Eu sonho um som terra terreiro Som de samba e sol e sombra, som brasileiro. Pajé paracatu, maracatu, maraca, maracá. Pajé paracatu, maracatu, maraca, maraca. It's an absolute gem of Brazilian pop and psychedelia, even a little bit of a bossa nova, which was, like I said, his initial influences. Sidney Miller was always seen as a very shy guy. He never performed live much. He was not on TV, but this album for sure is very deserving of those kind of statements as like Hidden Jam or a Lost Masterpiece, you name it. Fortunately, it's quite easy to find a record these days. It is available on Spotify, for instance. To me, for instance, if Osmo instead of like star playing progressive rock around that time they will probably do a record as good as this one here it really 
feels like something as a continuation of those mutantes will do. Instead, like I said, the horrendous display they put out in the same year. In the Song Lever record label, by the way, the progressive rock record of Os Mutantes, Tudo Feito Pelo Sol. But, unfortunately, Sidney Miller ended up taking his own life in 1980 at the age of 35. And then, of course, after that, he became a little more like a cult status. More people began to recognize the importance and the brilliance of this record. And here I could include myself. Amanhã, which means tomorrow in Portuguese, was and still is an astronomical hit. In Brazil, it was released in the second album of Guilherme Arantes. He was only 24. Arantes was like a very skilled and technical pianist. He was pretty much considered like the Brazilian Elton John or something like that. But in this particular record, he goes full on progressive rock. If I was talking about progressive rock before, this here is a good version of it. It's like very influenced by Emerson, Lake and Palmer and that kind of stuff. So if you like synthesizers and keyboards, this record is probably for you. The name of the record is Honda Noturna, and it took 40 years for this album to be reissued in CD because what happened was he was hired by Warner Music in Brazil, which was happening a lot in the beginning of Song Livre. In the country, the multinational majors, they were just offering more money to a lot of artists. Happened the same with Javan, for instance. He went to EMI instead. But the problem with the Guilherme Arantes was not that he signed with a different label, but he signed even before putting out this record here 
on Sound Livre, and then for kind of obvious reasons, he was extremely boycotted by the A&R people inside the Sound Livre label. When the record was actually released and songs were playing on the radio, it was almost time for him to put a third album this time by Warner. So it's really almost a miracle that at least one song of the record, Amaya, became like a, a hit in the country. And if you know a little bit more of Brazilian music history, Guilherme Arantes, from the 80s up until the 90s, and maybe a little bit up to this day, he is pretty much one of those very cheesy, corny artists, because when he signed up with Warner, he decided that he would become more like mainstream, composing more romantic pop piano ballads, completely left behind his past with the progressive rock music. So sometimes it's kind of weird when you refer to Guilherme Arantes, people associate with good music. It's very rare, but that's I'm Here. This record, it is actually very, very good. Even the cover album is quite interesting. Incredibly weird-looking haircut. Dois velhos talk about Azimut, which has been very prestige among the international audience these days. This is the debut album by Azimut. They were almost like a studio band. They were really recording with a bunch of artists in Brazil, especially Marcos Valle. And for this record, it's almost they were like released from making music for somebody else because the record is really like almost like a compilation. It's like acid jazz, funk, samba, progressive rock, all blended and mixed together. It is from 1975 and it's kind of crazy to think somebody was actually putting together samba and progressive rock in the same song, but that is exactly what it was, like this song here Melô dos Dois Bicudos
And as I said, this is the debut record of Azimut, which is like a self-titled record. But many people outside of the country, they really think the name of the record is Song Livre because the only thing you can see in the cover album other than the name of the band, Azimut, it is the logo of the record label. There is a green lettering where it says Song Livre. So it's very prominent in the original cover. This record was reissued many times by the Brazilian label Polisson without the Song Livre label on the cover. Then was reissued again by and by the British label Far Out Recordings, where they kind of pay tribute to the original logo that is written Far Out with the same green lettering. As I said, Azimuchi became a very international band, but in Brazil, this particular record is known by its opening track because there are vocals instead of being mainly instrumental. And if you grew up in the 80s in Brazil, we will definitely recognize this song, not with Azimut, but because of the sample of the song with the funk melody band Sampa Creole, which was massively successful in Brazil in the late 80s and early 90s, the Brazilian versions of the Bone Tugs and Harmony. But anyway, great record all around, 10 songs, 42 minutes, the debut album of Azimuch. We're gonna completely switch the mood of the show with the last two albums in the podcast. This is Rui Maurici, he was the brother of pianist Antonio Adolfo. His father was also a musician, a violinist in the Rio Symphonic Orchestra. This is actually his third record. It's called Nem Ouro Nem Prata, Neither Gold Nor Silver, which is the song on the background here. And it's kind of the only song on this record. It's kind of a little bit more famous. The rest of the album is very, very obscure. And this is absolutely jam. A sui generis approach, the rhythms of African and indigenous uh, sounds in Brazil filled also with countless references to the Brazilian countryside as well. It's almost like he's paying tribute to the Orishas and the Cowboys at the same time. It's like syncretism in its highest level. Look at the song here, Menina do Mato, very, very rural rock. Menina que mora no mato, não tem medo de assombração, 
Anda sozinha na estrada Levando sombrinha na mão That kind of folk, country and farm references And now look at this one, it's called Xangô Vencedor. Xangô, one of the most famous orishas in Brazil, the god of justice and the thunderstorm. Like you really cannot be more Brazilian than that. Like the old saying, we pray for the saints while lightening up a cannon for the devil. And like I said earlier, Rui Mauriti is not someone very recognizable in Brazil. He's a very obscure artist, just like these records, Nem Ouro Nem Prata, which is definitely one of those hidden gems, top to bottom. All songs are very good. And if this record has like many songs about the Orishas, this last record of today, it is 100% dedicated to Brazilian Orishas. So the name of the record is Os Orishas, which is the Orishas, and every single song on the record is named after an Orisha from the Candomblé and Umbanda religions, which of course has all that African connection with the Yoruba faith. So this song in the background is dedicated to Shango that I showed you earlier, the god of justice and the thunderstorm. But every song is a different Orisha, Yemanja, Oshun, Ogun, Oshasi, and you cannot be more Brazilian than that. Even musically, it's a good mashup of samba, funk, folk, jazz, and MPB, all encapsulated by these African grooves. All the songs on this record were written by a multi-instrumentalist called Luis Berimbau from Bahia, Salvador, in partnership with a poet also from Bahia called Ildazio Tavares. And the lead singer in this record is someone called Eloá. And if you look for this record on Spotify, that's the name of the artist there, Eloá. To speak is really only Os Orixás. And one very important thing about this cover, I repeated it here many times, the record label logo as the green lettering, it says Son Livre. Starting in 1978, they changed the logo. And this record here was one of the first ones with the new record label logo, which is just like an S. And Song Livre is not in green anymore, and the font is also different. So if you collect especially long plays, you can definitely notice the difference from the albums from Song Livre before 78 and after 78. And if you grew up in the 80s and the early 90s, like myself, this second logo is actually more recognizable, despite the fact, visually 
and statically, I really prefer the first version of the Song Livre logo. And by the way, this record was reissued very recently by the English label Mr. Bongo. And to be quite honest with you, it was the way I found out about it. I had no knowledge about this record before the Mr. Bongo reissue. It blew my mind when I found out about this record five or six years ago. That being said, it's all I have for today, folks. Like always, it was a pleasure. If you want to send me a message, I'm on Instagram as Brazuka Sounds. All the songs I play here in the show, you can find on my playlist called Soundtracks Brazuka Sounds on Spotify. <laughs> This was Brazuca Sounds with Leandro Vignoli. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Mm-hmm.